you're listening to The Maniculum, pointing the finger at the Middle Ages. We bring you the choicest medieval nonsense, discuss and evaluate it, then pillage it for our own geeky purposes. Okay, so this week we are splitting the episode into two chunks because it got a little bit long. We had a couple tangents. What do you expect from us at this point? (laughs) You know, we do. But of course, the text wasn't, you know, so long that we have to spend two episodes to cover all the material. So what we've got is we've got an episode that's the whole story self-contained and then another episode that's Zoe's research and our segments. Yeah, I dove deep on this one. I had a lot of fun with this. So hopefully you will too. So we'll release those as per usual. So you can expect that. And we have a Patreon shout out to do. We do. John is both our newest anti-purveyance peasant, but one of our oldest patrons. Woohoo! Because he recently... Updated his pledge. Yeah, he recently updated his pledge so that the system recognizes it. Yes, because he was a patron before we even started the tiers. So thank you, John, for being such a longtime supporter of the podcast. And we are so glad that you updated uh, your settings so that you do get the benefits of being a patron. Yes, and I believe this is the same John who pointed us towards the article on Bald's ISAV being effective, so thank you for that as well. Yes, definitely. All right, yes, and if you would like to check out our tiers and our benefits, things like behind the scenes, workspace updates, uh, what we're working on, whether it's about the podcast or not, blooper reels, stuff like that, you can find that at our Patreon. If you just go to Patreon, type in the Miniculum Podcast, it'll pop right up and you'll get all those updates automatically when you pick your pledge. And of course, we're planning to add more patron bonuses all the Mm -hmm. time. Yes, we're working on those. So... Go ahead and sign up now to make sure you get on on the ground floor. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we are. 2022 is full of progress for us. We're very excited. And then this week's episode and topic, it's text, is Brendan the Navigator. And I could have sworn that somebody put this on Facebook somewhere and recommended it to us to do and i searched both the facebook page and the facebook group and scoured the comments and i could not find it so whoever you are please let us know because i want to give you a shout out for suggesting such a great text i searched it was not there or it was there and i just like my eyes glazed over and i'm like i can't find it so yes please let us know who you are because it was a fantastic text to cover it was a lot of fun and I assume that Facebook has in some way glitched so that you don't get credit for requesting good text. Which is ridiculous. And also, they need to update their search function because I can't, like, do the find thing on the page. Mm -hmm. It just, it was weird. It's like, it's not going to parse through the comments. Anyway, anyway, whoever you are, thank you very much. Apologies that I did not keep track of this. But we hope you enjoy. If you would like to recommend text to us, you absolutely may. Patrons will get first priority on that, though. But we are, of course, very open to any any recommendations or requests because we need something to break up all these Burla Spouse chapters. Oh my gosh, there's so many. But they're so fun, but there's so many. So <laughs> Yeah, now I know how Saga thing feels whenever they do like one of their Ale saga or Gretir saga. Oh, because they're so big. Alrighty. So with that, we'll just dive right in. So Brendan the Navigator, also known as Brendan the Voyager, Brendan the 
I don't know, Wayfinder was the word that popped into my head. I don't know if that's technically one of his titles, but <laughs> he was a sailor. <laughs> Brendan the Sailor Man? Brendan the Sailor Man. You know, he was also a monk. This is part of one of my favorite little genres, which is Irish stories, broadly speaking, but also Irish stories have a lot of little subgenres within them. So I got super deep into researching this and found my old notes from my degree, and we might have to jump into some more of these Irish stories because I loved that class and it was fantastic. So there's also a lot of cool connections to Tolkien, children's literature things like that that I wanted to explore as well. So we'll get into that a little bit later. So Brendan the Navigator was actually one of the most popular medieval tales. And it was first recorded around 900 AD about the real life figure of Brendan who lived about 400. I assume this is for the same reason that The Voyage of the Dawn Treader is the best loved Narnia book. Actually, yes. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I there I have an article about this. No way. All right. I do. I do. Because clearly you got stuff. <laughs> I told you I got too deep on this. I was like, this goes so far. Anyway. <laughs> I assume that you connected all these articles together with red yarn on your wall. You know, I didn't have red yarn, but I do have a wall that is covered in like sticky notes and tabs and things i really want to get a massive whiteboard to do this for like my mm -hmm. world building stuff because it's just it's bigger and bigger and bigger and i there's not enough room but anyway brendan was a real figure lived in the 400s we'll talk about him a little bit and he did make some sort of journey he actually did a lot of journeys but the journey that we're going to be talking about today is realistically almost all fiction if not entirely fiction the tale itself has over 100 extant manuscript copies, and the form varies in each one. So I was trying to figure out, okay, which copy do I look at? And like, how, how many translations are there of these? There's a medieval French translation and Middle French that obviously all our listeners know how good we are at French on this podcast. Yes. So yes. I definitely picked that one. No, I, I really didn't. I picked a translation. But anyway... I'm going to be using a translation from Brandania, St. Brendan, the Voyager in Story and Legend by Dennis O'Donohue. This was written in 1893 and translated from the Latin story. So it is a bit of an older translation. However, it is free to the public so you guys can look it up and, and read it along with us if you mm -hmm. want. And that means that they can't come after us for copyright claims even if we read a lot of it out loud. Yeah, exactly. We always pick our sources to be aligned with the law. That's the nice thing about medieval <laughs> sources. Not many of them have copyright issues. It's true. So about this genre specifically for Irish stories, this tale is called an Imrav, which is spelled I-M-M-R-A-M. -M. So it looks like Imram. But my professor, my Irish professor always said Imrav. So I'm just going to say it how he says it. And if I'm wrong, and if there's another you know, Irish professor out there who can correct me, that's fine. But this is how this Dublin man said it for all of class. So I'm going to go with it. Zoe, it's actually spelled with three Q's and a pound sign. That's proper <laughs> old Irish. I know, the proper old Irish. Oh, he also taught our old Irish class and I about died. Old Irish is so <laughs> hard. 
but an Imrov is a story about a sea journey to the other world. In some cases, this is like the legendary Tirnanog of Irish pagan, pagan legend, but more often these are stories that are Christian in aspect. Imrovs were most written in the 8th and 9th centuries and concern more Christian topics and themes and they moralize a lot more, like a lot more, we're, we're going to see this, than their sister genre does, which is called the Ectra. And Ectra is sort of like a hero's journey. It's an Irish adventure story that also typically has a voyage and trip to the other world, but it can be either more mundane or more pagan. And these are older, they predate the Imrov. So generally speaking, and this is very general because these sort of old folk stories, which begin as oral traditions and then go on and, and become written down over time, generally Ectre are a voyage or an adventure doesn't have to be on the ocean. It can usually just be going to one place and then coming back or going to one place and getting stuck there, as the case may be. Because, you know, if, you, if you're in the other world and you're stuck with the Fae, then you might get stuck. You might die. And hey, lucky you, because you get to be in a different world. You know, pretty dope. I think we've talked about this before, <laughs> but one of the things I always find so strange about older stories about traveling to other worlds is that everyone's like, but I need to go back. I need to go back. Like, wow, yeah, the world must have been much nicer back then, because I or, can't imagine wanting to go back. Yeah, or like, especially if you're stuck in fairyland, like, I guess you would miss your family. But it's interesting that you say that in particular, because... This whole idea of the Irish Otherworld, we sort of have briefly touched on. We've talked about the, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, the Ishi or the, the elves or fairies in Irish myth and legend. But we haven't really talked about Tirnanog, which is a different version of the Irish Otherworld. There's a lot of, there seems to be a lot of different types of Otherworlds that you can get to. Whether it's by fairies or if, by just sailing a long way and then you end up in in Tirnanog, or wherever you end up, there's a lot of different Irish other worlds that either blend together. Are they the same place? Are they different places? We're not entirely sure. It's not always clear. But as we see for Imravs specifically, there's usually a longer journey that goes to multiple places that usually has challenges, whereas Ektra tend to have adventures and they go and they encounter stuff and it's cool. The Imrav is more of a holy man or a criminal goes on a journey, encounters challenges, has to overcome them, and then eventually returns. So this is much closer to a hero's journey than just an adventure tale that you would find mm -hmm. in the Ektra. Can we take a moment to note to note that you said a holy man or a criminal, as if those are two <laughs> things that naturally go together. Now, we've established that I have, like, suspicions of holy men, so this vibes with my worldview. Like, we, we already know how they secretly eat pearls to, to be holy after they die, or whatever yes, it is yes, we indeed. accuse them of in uh, our first India episode. Yes, that one was great. Yeah, that part is really interesting because a lot of times criminals were put out to sea and you know they you just without an oar and you're just putting a boat and pushed off and maybe you make it maybe you don't and so that's part of that tradition let's call that the australia tradition <laughs> yeah the australia tradition um and then there's also the tradition of like the holy man who gets a vision from god to like go and learn something about the most holy land that's across the sea um and if if it sounds familiar like this promised land across the sea if that sounds familiar <coughs> valinor 
Oh, I was thinking New Jersey. <laughs> oh, Lord, I hope not. <laughs> but if, if it does sound familiar, the answer is yes, it is very familiar for that reason. I'm going to get into that later. Tolkien immediately pulled from these stories to create like this promised land across the West. But this is a very, very old tradition. So the idea of a promised land to the West or across the sea is pretty common. We have seen this in Icelandic sagas. We've seen this in a lot of Irish tales. And then eventually it reaches sort of the rest of Europe is particularly when, you know, Vespucci went over to the Americas, when Columbus went over to the Americas, etc., etc. Not that it's a promised land, but it was definitely written about as such, shall we say. Yes. And that tradition sort of carried on. But anyway... So that's the main difference between an Imrav and an Ektra. I will also say that Imravs have extraordinarily one-dimensional characters. Do not expect much from Brendan, is my point here. Mm -hmm. And as you read it, I understand the distinction between criminal and holy man. I would sort of consider Brendan both because he seems like a total ass. Noted. That's just my takeaway. I'm interested to see how you guys react. But that's just my take. Another good analog for this is think of the Aeneid or the Odyssey, except sort of Christianized. So they took this whole journeying thing with an extra and then Christianized it like they did with everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, the Aeneid, the Odyssey, now we have Irish Imrofs. Alrighty. So a little bit about St. Brendan himself. He was a 5th century monk and one of the like 12 apostles of Ireland. So he's one of the early monks who came to Ireland and sort of helped Christianize it. Oh, so it's his fault. Yes, in part, along with Patrick, of course. We don't know much about his actual life since his navigatio, it's another word for his little journey, was written 500 years after his actual life. But what we do know is that he was born in Tralee in the modern County Kerry. He was made a priest at age 26, founded several monasteries. There's one actually on the Aran Islands, and you can go still and see the ruins and sort of check that out. There's actually some old Roman graves that are out on the Aran Islands, and it's so cool. If you go to Ireland, go to the Aran Islands. They're really, really really cool. Anyway, he traveled around the British Isles and even to Brittany before going on this legendary seven-year voyage and then came back. And there's some arguments that have been made that he went to North America or Greenland, but those aren't really very well substantiated. Other people have suggested the Canary Islands or the Azores, um, or even like the Shetland Islands as an example, but he like pinged around. I think Iceland may have been maybe a possibility, but once you start getting into the actual text, it's like none of these places are actually real. It reads like the it reads like our travel logs is what it does. So, Although there were Irish monks in Iceland when the Norse settlers first arrived. So maybe there's a connection there. I would probably say so, because he does lose a few people on the way. Lose as in like they stay behind or they die or like he turns around and they vanish. That is up to interpretation. All right. At least a couple stay behind. One of them is like doomed. <laughs> One of them's just in the couch cushions. Yeah, he's just gone, man. He's gone. Couch cushions of the universe. <laughs> Is that what the islands are? The Azores, yes. you just slide in. Oh no, that's what the tectonic plates are. Yes, yes they are. Couch cushions <laughs> of the universe. Or at least that's of what the happens Earth. when something just disappears. Like it's fallen into the cosmic couch cushions. It's gone. But anyway, by the time that like Brendan returned, he had become like so well known or so famous as a saint and as a monk that 
he was worried that his body parts would be taken as relics after he died. Well, yeah. Why is he concerned about this? That's like regular practice, isn't it? Yes, but I don't think he wasn't like sainted yet. He was just like, oh, I'm not that holy, you guys, or whatever. Like he didn't want his body to be disassembled. Mm -hmm. So he was smuggled out of, I think he was in Wales at the time, but he was smuggled out. His body was smuggled out in a luggage cart and was sent over to a monastery in Clonfort, Ireland, in one piece. And that's where he was interred. And then they dug him up and made relics out of it. <laughs> Not as far as I know, but there is a lot of Brendan lore. That's why there's this whole thing called Brendania. It's like the book I was referencing is a 400 page tome about Brendan and his hagiography and his life and the legends that have sprung up around him. His voyage is actually pretty short. Brendania sounds like a region in like a role playing game. Like, oh, we're going to Brendania. We can make that happen. We should make that happen. <laughs> So anyway, that is the intro into the Navigatio Sancti Brendani Abatis. Is that Abbot Brendan? Yes, he was an abbot. Okay. Alrighty. The introduction is a little bit long, but the chapters do get interesting. The copy I have here is like 16 pages, but they're pretty dense. So I'm hoping mm -hmm. we can get through it all. That's the aim. So we might just go a little bit long. Yeah, so if we'll we see. go too long, I'll just split it in half. Okay, cool. So, here we go. I figured that I would do this in an Irish accent, just for fun. I mean, I'm not going to stop you, but if we get hate mail from any Irish listeners, it's on you. I know this. I have never gotten hate for my Irish accent, especially while I was in Ireland. I have gotten, like, people were confused about where I was from, because apparently it switched regionally with wherever I was in Ireland at the time. So, I don't know what's going to come out now that I haven't been in Ireland for a while. All right, Irish listeners, let us know what you think. <laughs> I would love to know. It's going to be so bad comparatively. Oh, yeah, we're going to start a bad next idea. episode by reading a litany of complaints about your <laughs> Irish accent. Please do. Send them all in. Yeah. All right. Actually, no, I won't do it all in an Irish accent. I might slip into it, but we'll see. Okay. okay. So, St. Brendan, son of Figlock. See, once I, once I get the names, like the names send me into it. But anyway. Mm -hmm. Saint Brendan, son of Finlagua Alta of the race of Hyogen, was born in the marshy district of Munster. He was famed for his great abstinence and his many virtues, and was the patriarch of nearly 3,000 monks. While he was in his spiritual warfare at a place called Ardfurt, Brendan, there came to him one evening a certain father named Barinthus of the race of King Nile. We've heard about him, we know him. Mm -hmm. Is that Nile Frosick? Of lesbian fame? Of lesbian fame. <laughs> what an icon. Ally <laughs> when <question> icon, <laughs> Niall Crossick. <laughs> oh, we love him. When questioned by St. Brendan in frequent converse, could only weep and cast himself prostrate and continue longer in prayer. But Brendan, raising him up, embraced him, saying, Father, why should we thus be grieved on the occasion of your visit? Have you not come to give us comfort? You ought indeed make better cheer for the brethren in God's name. He does a lot of correcting people. That's one of the things I noticed is he does a lot of correcting people. And I told you sewing. So does Marjorie Kemp. I feel like that's just what saints are supposed to do. Oh, is it? I okay. guess. Well, I don't want to be one in that case. Did you want to before? I I mean, I couldn't because I'm not Catholic, I guess. <laughs> Good but, point. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't on my bucket list or anything, <laughs> but if it happened, I mean, people have been sainted for less. Yeah, fair. In God's name, 
Make known to us the divine secrets and refresh our souls by recounting to us the various wonders you've seen upon the great ocean. Then Berinthus, in reply, proceeds to tell of a certain island. My dear child, Murnoch, the guardian of the poor of Christ, has fled away from me to become a solitary and found nigh into the stone mountain an island full of delights. After some time I learned that he had many monks there in his charge. See, this could be Iceland. Mm -hmm. Very likely and that God had worked through him many marvels. I therefore went to visit him, and when I had approached within three days' journey, he, with some of the brethren, came out to meet me, for God had revealed to him my advent. And so he talks about this a little bit. I'm going to skip this because it's not, like, his journey. I, like, revealed to him my advent because it absolutely <laughs> makes me think of this guy opening a little cardboard door and there's this dude inside. <laughs> Hi! Hey! Hello! <laughs> All right. So I'm going to skip most of his, like, actual journey, because this is not Barinthus's journey, this is Brendan's. Mm -hmm. So Brendan concludes that he will also go on a holy journey to find this island of delights and this land called the Land of Promise of the Saints, where night never falls nor day closes. Iceland in the summer. In the summer. So there is at least a little basis of reality here. There's probably a guy who actually did this. Mm-hmm. Anyway, soon after, Brendan selected from his whole community 14 monks. Taking these apart, the venerable Brendan- What? What? He did what to them? <laughs> no, taking them apart from the others. Oh. <laughs> I, I mean, I like how we we jump from Perilous Vals where people are literally being dismembered to like this. Well, I we like were how just that talking about how Brendan didn't want to be dismembered. I'm like, <laughs> that's well, a little hypocritical of him. He took apart 14 people. No. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, he retired with them into an oratory where he thus addressed them. Dearly beloved fellow soldiers of mine, I request your advice and assistance, for my heart and mind are firmly set upon one desire. If it be God's holy will, I have in my heart resolved to go forth in quest of the land of promise of the saints, about which Father Berinthus discoursed to us. What do you think? What is your advice? They all replied to him. Father Abbot, your will is ours also. Have we not forsaken our parents? Have we not slighted our family prospects? Have we not committed into your hands even our very bodies? We are, therefore, ready to go with you, whether unto life or unto death, provided we find such to be the will of God. I always find it so weird. It, this is something that medieval texts do all the time, and I never get used to it. It's when they have a whole group of people, and they say, and they all replied in this way, and like, <laughs> it's at the once, Greek chorus. or one after the other. <laughs> Indeed. So he takes communion with them. They're all preparing to go. They're about to set out. And then Brendan wants to do his own little meditation by himself. So he proceeded to the remotest part of his own country where his parents abode. So this is back in Charlie, apparently. However, he willed not to visit them, but went up to the summit of the mountain there, which extends far into the ocean, on which is St. Brendan's seat. And there he fitted up a tent near a narrow creek where a boat could enter. Then St. Brendan and his companions, using iron implements, prepared a light vessel with wicker sides and ribs, such as is usually made in that country, and covered it with cowhide, tanned and oak bark, tarring the joints thereof, and put on board provisions for 40 days, with butter enough to dress hides for the covering of the boat and all utensils needed for the use of the crew. I'm sure there are people who, like, study medieval crafts who are just fascinated by that particular passage. It's very interesting because it provides a very clear picture of how this boat was constructed. Mm -hmm. 
I like that there's butter involved somehow. That seems, I would not have called that. But I guess it's for waterproofing. I think that's the aim there. That caught me off guard. As And notably, it is provisions for 40 days, which is in biblical, I was going to say lore, but that feels very... <laughs> I mean, it's Odd. not wrong. It's not wrong. Anyway, in biblical canon slash lore, 40 days is how long Noah was on the ark. Yes. For 40 days and nights. So that's why he's picked that number. Brenda's not going to do the nights. No. Just the days. Just the days. So while he's standing by this little creek, behold, three more monks from his monastery came up and cast themselves at his feet, saying, Oh, dearest father, suffer us for the love of Christ to accompany you on your voyage. And he ordered them aboard and said, Have your will, my children, but I know why you have come hither. One of you has acted well, for God has provided him an excellent place, but for two others, he has appointed harm and judgment. Oh, oh dear. And apparently this is because this is like an unholy number. 17? 17 or 18, yeah. But for some reason, he's just like, one of you is chill? 18 is three times six. Oh. I don't so know if that's the actual reason, but... Why not? We'll go with it. So anyway. Yeah, three times six. Had to check. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here we go. They set sail. They fell into a dead calm. And then Brendan says, Fear not, brothers, for our God will be unto us a helper, a mariner, and a pilot. Which is a very, very famous saying from this passage, which Mm -hmm. actually is kind of cute. And I think the U.S. Navy either has a statue of him or like, I think they have a stained glass window of him and in reference to this phrase. So anyway, at the end of 40 days, when all their provisions were spent, there appeared towards the north an island, very rocky and steep. And when they drew near it, they saw cliffs upright like a wall and many streams of water rushing down into the sea from the summit of the island. But they could not discover a landing place for the boat. Being sorely distressed with hunger and thirst, the brethren got some vessels into which to catch the water as it fell, but Brendan cautioned them, Brothers, do not do this foolish thing. While God wills it not to show us a landing place, you would take this water without his permission. But after three days, the Lord Jesus Christ will show his servants a secure harbour and resting place where you may refresh your wearied bodies. You know, famously, Iceland has some coasts that are very difficult to find landing places on. Lots of cliffs. Lots of cliffs. I just think it's very fascinating here how he's like, nah, bruh, like, how dare you do this? But also, Jesus told me, give it three days. When? When did he tell you this, Brendan? That's what I'm wondering. Like, this entire, like, through the entire voyage, he's doing this. And I'm like, Brendan, bro, like, you're not wrong, but I'm really annoyed at your delivery. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyway, on the third day, about the hour of noon, which is nine, so when do they start? I think they start at sunrise, don't they? Yeah, because the the ecclesiastical clock is different. So it's not like the ninth hour of the day. Like for us, it's not 9 a.m. 3 p.m. It's 3 p.m. So that makes sense because it's on the about. third day at about 3 o'clock. Yeah, which which is roughly nine hours after dawn. If you assume that if dawn it happens around six, six. then nones, nones, known, however you want to say it, will happen around three. Three. Uh, all right. And they found a small cove. Huzzah! And St. Brendan forthwith arose and blessed the landing place. When he had disembarked and stood on the beach, St. Brendan directed them to remove nothing from the boat. And then there appeared a dog approaching from a bypath who came that's to fawn. That's a wolf. That's a wolf. <laughs> if there is no one living here, that is not a domestic dog. That's a wolf. But he comes and he fawns upon 
the saint, as dogs are wont to fawn upon their masters. I mean, wolves can be friendly sometimes. Has not the lord, said St. Brendan, send us a goodly messenger, let us follow him. And the brethren followed the dog, until they came to a large mansion, in which they found a spacious hall, laid out with couches and seats, and water for washing your feet. Oh, maybe it is a dog. (laughs) And when they had taken some rest, St. Brendan warned them thus, Beware lest Satan lead you into temptation, for I can see him urging on one of the three monks who followed us from the monastery to a wicked theft. Pray you for his soul, for his flesh is in Satan's power. This, this is very, one of you seated here will betray me. It's also, it's like everybody else is chill, but it's one of you three. Yeah. Is it me, Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> if you have to ask, you already know. Now sit down. Anyway, they eat together in the mansion, and then when the brethren had gone to sleep, St. Brendan saw a demon in the guise of a little black boy at his work having- <laughs> Yes, I know, this this also bothered me. I mean, to be fair, I'm going to assume that it is black as in ink black and not black as in African. It does not specify? Because I don't know how, to what degree, the term black to describe people of African extraction was common in that time. I am not sure. Because we know that in Icelandic, if something is described as blue, it can also be black. Yeah, blauman. Yeah. But I don't know, I don't know how to read this passage. It could be like a literally like ink black kid. And it's very difficult to tell because there's no one else on this island. This is the only person that we see. Or it could be a little boy who happens to have dark skin and it's not even a demon. It's just like a kid. We don't know. But that's... And Brendan's like demon because he's racist, I guess. I guess. And he's never... I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But anyway. And it also just says, at his work, having in his hands a bridal bit, beckoning to the monk before mentioned... Then he rose from his couch and remained all night in prayer. So, like, literally, Brendan wakes up in the middle of the night, sees a little black boy who is supposedly Satan tempting one of the three monks. By holding up a bridal bit, like doing the come hither finger? Yes. And he's just like, well, that's weird, and then goes to the couch and prays. Yeah, presumably for his soul, I would hope, but also, you know, Brendan's... No, no. (laughs) Just generally... He's saying grace for breakfast the next morning, or possibly his midnight snack. Who knows? So anyway, they found the table laid for their meal. Like, it's all all miraculously provided. And then they stay there for three days, and then they leave. Okay. Um, okay. That's, you know, the basics. Anyway, uh, before they leave- Did they steal something? Well, I'm getting there, I'm getting there! (laughs) I'm getting there! Uh, God forbid, said the brethren as they were getting ready to leave, that any of us should dishonor our journey by theft. Whereupon St. Brendan said, Behold our brother of whom I spoke to you, Jan, yesterday, and he has concealed in his bosom a silver bridle, which the devil gave him last night. Well, if the devil gave it to him, then it wasn't stealing. It was a gift. And also, Brendan's happy to, like, not intercede. He saw this happen. Yeah, no, he just wants to, he's like, ah, I will use this later to see him all-knowing. That's what I'm telling you. He's a He's a total So, anyway, when the brother in question had heard this, he cast away the bridle and fell at the feet of the saint, crying aloud, Oh, Father, I am guilty. Forgive me and pray that my soul might not be lost. And all the brethren cast themselves on the ground earnestly beseeching the Lord for his soul's sake. And then Brendan, he raises up the guilty brother, and then they all see 
the little black boy jump out of his bosom and say, like, howls into the into the night or the morning, I guess. Why, O oh man of God, do you expel me from my abode where I have dwelt for seven years and drive me away as a stranger from my secure possession? And then St. Brendan said, I command thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that thou may injure no man until the day of judgment. So he just exercises this demon now in front of everyone, but not yep. the night before because, nope, you know, whatever happened to not praying in the streets or whatever, but... <laughs> At least this time it's clear that it's a demon and he wasn't, like, stealing a child. I think the black kid was supposed to be the devil. Like, yes. the picture of the- it doesn't make any sense. I don't like it. It feels gross. I think it's the phrasing. Soon after, this particular brother dies and is taken up by angels of light in the sight of his brethren. Uh, how does he die? It doesn't- it doesn't say. Did, did the devil kill him? Did Brendan kill him? The exorcism killed him. Because it was soon after, so... I guess. <laughs> Silver poisoning. Demon poisoning. <laughs> Demon poisoning. We don't know. <sighs> but anyway, yes, they go on. One day, they came within view of an island not far off, which they sailed with a favorable wind. When the boat touched a landing place, the man of God, when it refers to the man of God, it's referring to Brandon, ordered all to disembark he being the last to leave the boat. In making a circuit of the island, they saw great streams of water flowing from many fountains full of all kinds of fish. St. Brendan said to the brethren, Let us perform here the divine office and sacrifice unto God the Lamb without spot. All kinds of fish? All kinds of fish. Sturgeon? Apparently. Sunfish? I guess. Grouper? I suppose. Marlin? Even a beaver. <laughs> I was wondering how long I would be able to keep naming fish before you said something that, took me, that <laughs> threw me off. For those of you who don't know, uh, the Catholic Church considered beavers to be fish, so you could eat them on Lent. Yeah, the cladistics was not a mature science yet in the Middle no, Ages. No. They, were, they were very enthusiastic about categorizing things, but... But they didn't really get it right. Their methods were questionable in some ways. Yeah. Anyway, they have the Festival of the Lord's Supper, and they remain there until Easter Saturday, which it says Saturday, Easter Saturday. I guess that's just the day before Easter. I suppose. Wait, does that mean that they leave on Easter Sunday? They sailed on Easter Sunday? They worked on the Sabbath? <laughs> well, see, but in, in Jewish tradition, the Sabbath, Sabbath is on a Saturday. That's true. But so, these guys are, correct me if I'm wrong, Christian. Yes, early Christian. So everything was wonky. They, you know, we we did the Computus episode. Okay, we know about okay. the Easter controversy. Yes. We don't actually know when Easter was. If you celebrate Easter on a Saturday, is it a dark Easter? It must be. <laughs> They're doomed. There's another time when I wish that the viewers could see you because you got so excited about that you almost <laughs> choked on your seltzer. <laughs> or at least I that's did. what it looked like. Yes, I did. Oh man. Anyway. In the island, they found many flocks of sheep, all pure white, so numerous as to hide the face of the land. And then the saint directed the brethren to take from the flocks what was needful for the festival, and they caught one sheep, which, being tied by the horns, followed at their heels as if it were tame. I thought that sheep were pretty tame, like, to begin with, yeah, so... Yeah, sheep are tame, facts. I was very confused by this. I mean, I guess there are wild sheep. Yeah, but even if you tie it by the horns, it's going to follow you. Yeah, also true. You know, it's weird how many of these, like, voyage texts have, like, and there's an island full of sheep. 
Like, it's also in the Odyssey. It's mm-hmm. also in Wonders of the East. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're all drawing from each other or if this is just a thing. Like, people think, like, what's on islands? I've seen sheep on islands. And they just, like, put an island with, like, lots of sheep. <laughs> lots of sheep. I want to know, like, how the sheep get there because I don't think they're that great at swimming. So that means it has to have been settled at one point. Even if yeah. the sheep, like, got feral, it had to have been settled at one point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how else they would get there. But anyway... This is helpful because after they come and do this and begin to celebrate and so on and so forth, a man with a basket of hearth cakes appears. Of what cakes? Hearth cakes. Horse cakes? Hearth. Hearth cakes. Like <laughs> like a fire. Okay. Okay. Wait. Are these cakes cooked on a hearth or are they like cakes you, like, are these charcoal briquettes? I don't know. I would presume that they're like little, you know cakes that you have on on like the grill for the listeners zoe just made a motion like she was holding a hamburger and is now holding her fingers (laughs) across each other to simulate grill like like a grill (laughs) (laughs) we should start actually like streaming this we should Uh, at some point we should we really should we'll we'll throw it on discord we'll live stream it for our patrons Uh, if that's interesting please let us know anyway this guy shows up, calls Brendan the precious pearl of God. How does he know? I don't know. It's like, none of this is clear. Like, the, the literal line is that he shows up, lays at Brendan's feet, Why? and prostrates himself three times and says, with tears in his eyes, Oh, precious pearl of God, how have I deserved this, that thou should take food at this holy season from the labor of my hands? Who are you? How did you get all these <laughs> sheep here? Why do you know Brendan is like a pearl of God? Has Brendan been eating pearls? Is that what's going on? Is it a coincidence? Is it a coincidence? Was he expecting someone else? Does well, who he knows? greet everyone this way? <laughs> anyway, he provides them with food for his festival and for the do ship. Do they invite him? Or does he just? do they just take his food and leave? I presume he's invited. <laughs> it doesn't mention so. it? It doesn't say! Ugh. But anyway, he, he provides them with food, and then he says, Your boat can carry no more now, but after eight days I will send you food and drink sufficient until Pentecost. Whereupon Brendan said to him, How can you know for certain where we will be in eight days? And he replied, This night you will spend on that island you see near you, and tomorrow also until noon, and then you will sail on to the island not far towards the west, called the Paradise of Birds, and there you will abide until the octave of Pentecost. Okay, so... This is clearly Odin. (laughs) He's not one-eyed. We don't know if he has one eye or not. Fair, fair. He's some kind of supernatural figure because, A, he either knows Brendan's itinerary or Brendan trusts him to dictate his itinerary despite having just met him. B... I mean, wouldn't you trust a local? Well, yes, that's fair. Okay, that one one I'll give. (laughs) How is he going to send them food? That is not described. And how does he know the carrying capacity of their boat? Well, he did just fill it up with food. Oh, okay. I do want to know that that second one, though. Like, is he bringing it in a boat, or does it just show up? Does, like, a sheep swim out to them? We'll find out. (laughs) Anyway, St. Brendan then asked the question that we've all been wanting to know. Why are the sheep so large, even larger than oxen on this island? (laughs) That was in Wonders of the East! Sheep the size of oxen! Yes, it was! We've got some correlation here, baby. Yes. <laughs> uh, and he said that they are so much huger here because they've never been milked and they've known never the stress of winter. 
and had pasture in all the seasons, which makes sense for everything except for the milk. Yeah. Just, uh, just, mm. Hmm. Okay. Are I these, don't know. Are, <laughs> I, are we supposed to be imagining like that they're just inflated because they're so full of milk? <laughs> Did I get you? Is that a spit take? Almost. (laughs) (laughs) Like Aunt Marge and Harry Potter. Yeah, like milk balloons. Is that what we're supposed to be imagining here? (laughs) Bagged milk? Yes. Oh. Milk bagged in sheep. I mean, all milk is bagged in sheep or cows or goats, but that's a point. Anyway. Island gigantism is a thing, isn't it? Maybe it's just that. Well, I was also going to provide the idea that maybe they're bigger because if they are in Iceland, like, things are generally bigger. Vegetables are bigger. What, on islands? No, in in the far north. Oh. I mean, for plants, it's because there's so much sunlight. They just get all that sunlight and they just grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Right, there. They feast and then they keep growing and then, let's see. Oh, yes. This one is very interesting. So remember, that we're, ho- we're island hopping at this point. So mm-hmm. when they drew nigh to the nearest island, the boat stopped ere they reached a landing place. And the saint ordered the brethren to get out into the sea, make the vessel fast, stem and stern until they came to some harbor. But there was no grass on the island, very little wood and no sand upon the shore. What was there then? Is it just a rock? Yes. Oh, I don't think that's an island. Just hold on. Just right. just wait half a second. All right, all right, all right. While the brethren spent the night in prayer outside the vessel, the saint remained on it, for he knew very well what manner of island this was, what he wished not to tell the brethren, lest they be too much afraid. Um, buddy, I don't he's like a, this guy. He's an He is. In the morning, they celebrate mass, and after they had done so... The brethren took out some uncooked meat and fish they'd brought with them from the other island and put a cauldron on a fire to cook them. And after they had placed more fuel... Oh, <laughs> did you just realize what it is? I know this story. This is in the Arabian Nights. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And after they had placed more fuel on the fire and the cauldron began to boil, the island moved about like a wave, whereupon they all rushed towards the boat and implored the protection of the father, who, taking each one by the hand, drew them all into the vessel and then Relinquishing what they had removed to the island, they cast the boat loose to sail away, when at once the island sank into the ocean. Afterwards, they could see the fire they'd kindled still burning more than two miles off, and then Brendan explained the occurrence. Brethren, you wonder what has happened to the island. Yes, father, said they. We wondered, and we were seized with great fear. Fear not, my children, said the saint, for God last night revealed to me the mystery of all of this. It was not an island you were upon, but a fish, the largest of all that swim the ocean, which is ever trying to make its head and tail meet, but it cannot succeed because of its great length. His name is Yasconius. Is it now? I thought that thing's name was Jormungandr. Mm-mm. Apparently it's Yasconius, yeah. which from my research that I picked up, this is like the only major instance of Yasconius or Jackconius, Yasconius being mentioned. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the name. This does sound very much like the story in the Arabian Nights. Which is what? Remind me. It's pretty much the same. Sinbad, I think, lands on an Mm. island and kindles a fire, but it it turns out he landed on a whale, and the whale dives. Mm -hmm. So that is presumably what happens here. There shouldn't be a whale just hanging around at the surface for that long. That's that's what we we in the biz would call a dead whale. Yes. (laughs) Are are you in the biz? No. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was gonna say I didn't know you went whaling. No, no. Uh, by the biz, I mean I don't even know what biz I'm in. <laughs> the academia biz. Yes. It's not much of a biz, to be fair. No. Ugh. No, it's a bad biz. It is a bad biz. Anyway. When they had sailed beside the island where they had already been for three days. So this is the previous island with the sheep. Wait, is this the one that the guy told them to go to? Yes. (laughs) That was a prank. He knows that (laughs) island's not always there. (laughs) Go on then. Oh, go on, go on. I want to see what happens. Go on, go on. Sure, look it. Be grand. (laughs) Anyway. They saw towards the west another island, not very far off, across a narrow sound, which was grassy, well-wooded, and full of flowers, and they bore towards this landing place. When they had sailed toward the southern side of the island, they found a rivulet flowing into the sea, and they brought the boat up onto it, and then blah blah blah, they set up camp. Mm-hmm. After some consideration, St. Brendan said to them, Behold, my brothers, God has provided for us a suitable place wherein to abide during the Pascal time, which is Easter. And if we had no other provisions, this fountain would, I believe, serve for food as well as drink. Don't know how? Yep, don't get that. Maybe it's like a living water thing. Like he's like, ah, miracles. I suppose. The next line is just, for the fountain was, in truth, a very wonderful one. And that is what we get about the fountain. It's Soylent. Over it hung a large tree of marvellous width, but not of great height, covered over with snow-white birds, so that they hid its boughs and leaves entirely. When the man of God saw this, he was considering with himself why this immense number of birds were thus brought together in one assemblage, and the question grew so irksome to him that he with tears besought the Lord on bended knee. <laughs> what? This man is having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> yes, he is. The anxious distress of my heart, Lord. Is what he says. They're there because that's where the food is. (laughs) That's what birds do. Oh no, oh no, no, no. It gets better because thereupon one of the birds flew off the tree and in his flight his wings had a tinkling sound like little bells and over the And God said, are you happy now? There are fewer birds. And perching on the prow, it spread out its wings in a token of gladness and looked complacently toward St. Brenton. Then the man of God, understanding that his prayer was granted, addressed the bird. If you are a messenger from God, tell me whence the birds have come and why this concourse of them here. The bird at once made an answer. We are partakers in the great ruin of an ancient enemy having fallen not by the sin of our will or consent but soon after our creation our ruin resulted from the fall of Lucifer and his followers the almighty god however <laughs> I know it doesn't make sense I was going to say like you need you can need to run this by me again because I'm already lost okay here we go we are partakers in the great ruin of the ancient enemy having fallen not by our will or consent but resulting from the fall of Lucifer and his followers. Okay, so they're partakers in, what, Satan's corpse? Like some kind of divine whale fall? I guess. Or, like, the, the way that I jumped at it was like, okay, are these angels that fought against Lucifer and, like, they're bad because they fought against Lucifer, their brethren, who's technically also an angel, but also, like, it's not bad because it was the will of God. Like, what What does this yeah. even mean? I was going to say, I thought that the 
the ones who fought against Lucifer were the only ones who got to stay, and the ones who were pacifists were cast out along with him. Maybe those were these guys. But anyway, God has doomed us to this place where we suffer no pain and where we can partially see the divine presence of the Lord, but must remain apart from the spirits who stood faithful. We wander about the world, in the air, the earth, and the sky, like the other spirits on their missions, but on festival days we take the shape you see here and sing the praises of our creator. Okay, so they're, yeah, probably angels. They've been banished here because of something to do with Lucifer's fall. Yes. Interesting. I don't know what to do with that. It's a fascinating image. It is. It's a good image. And then the bird says, You have been one year now on your journey, and you have six more left, and also you will come back here every year for Easter. Uh, okay. Just... I guess it's good that all these like <laughs> supernatural beings are shaping his his, his journey. schedule for you him. You know, it's it's nice. Gets a angel written itinerary. Yeah. And then they all sing a hymn together, clapping their wings and warbling. And apparently, it's a hymn that everybody knows because it is, "O Lord, becometh thee in Sion, and a vow shall be paid to thee in Jerusalem." This is not tweet tweet tweet. No, because apparently these birds can all speak. Oh, okay. There's a lot more singing. There's a lot more singing. Then they have Easter. And then they partake of the water of the fountain. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, yes. Okay. Now, the interesting thing about the fountain that we get, that we didn't get earlier, is that my brothers, and this is Brandon speaking, of course, you have here the abundance unto the last Pentecost, but do not drink of the fountain, for its waters have a peculiar virtue, so that anyone drinking thereof, though it seems to have the taste and quality of ordinary water, is seized with sleep and cannot awaken for 24 hours. Didn't he tell them to drink from the fountain? Like, earlier? Like he said, this fountain is not only water, but might may also be food or something like that? Yes. So I assume they all drank from the fountain after he said those nice things about it. I'm guessing so, and I'm guessing he's saying this, like, after he figured out that they all fall asleep for 24 hours. <laughs> and ah. he's like, don't forget. <laughs> he's like the, the school leader, like the teacher on a trip. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, okay. don't put your hands in the fountain. We do not put our hands in the fountain. You can throw a coin in, but please do not touch the water. <laughs> but if you don't touch the water, how can you get the coin back out? <laughs> That is a good point. <laughs> I 100% once fell into a fountain, like full on <gasps> fell in as a child. Because oh. I was like trying to lean over and see all the coins. Mm. Was it deep? No, but it, I mean, it was deep enough that I was, like, you know, soaked. soaked. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. Oh, okay. Yes. So apparently the Sheep Island guy shows up bringing sufficient food for the festival. And so then he's got tons of water and dry bread that may keep for another year which is like lembas bread so okay at, at least we got that he shows up in person and it doesn't just arrive miraculously yes so i think that would have been too much that would have been way too i mean we've already had the birds like what more do you want yeah oh yes the bird shows back up sits on the prow of the boat and said in a human voice what was it using before i don't know but it's specified now <laughs> okay with us, you have celebrated Pascal this time this year. You will celebrate it with us also next year. And where you have been in the past year on the festival of the Lord's Supper, there you will be in the same festival in the next year. In like manner, blah, blah, blah. So basically what he's saying is you celebrated the Lord's Supper, which is Pentecost, on Sheep Island. You're going to do that again. And then you're mm-hmm. going to celebrate Easter here with us again. 
So this is going to be a very circular journey. Yes. Which begs the question why we're making it if we're trying to find the land of the promise of the saints or whatever. Yeah. So I would get very frustrated if I were Brendan being told that, like, Mm. I'm not going to find the island of the paradise of the saints until after I make this circle again. It is God's will that you go in a big circle for seven years. (laughs) I mean, I guess if he wills it, what are you going to do? Maybe this is why he's so cranky. It would make sense. What about his crew? He's got all these other guys. He's self-sabotaging. I mean, we've already lost one, so. That's right. It was like that scene from Alien. (laughs) Yeah, it really was. (laughs) After this, Brandon and his brethren tossed about to and fro on the billows of the ocean for a space of three months, during which they could see nothing but the sea and sky, and they took refreshment only once every second day. Uh, One day, however, an island came into view not far off, but when they drew near the shore, the wind drove them aside, and thus for 40 days they sailed round the island without finding a landing place. Finally, they end up on board, or on land, and then the brethren hastened to take some of the water, but the man of God said to them, My children, do nothing that may be unlawful. Take nothing here without the leave of the venerable fathers who are on this island, and they will freely give what you would take by stealth. Don't steal stuff, they'll just give it to you. I mean, is that not the rule in Skyrim? I don't know. I've never played Skyrim. <laughs> That's fair. A lot of stuff you can just take. You don't actually have to steal. Or after a conversation with somebody, they're friendly enough to you that you can just take their stuff. Oh. It's very strange. Doesn't really make a lot of sense. When they were considering which direction they should go, there came to them an old man, wasted from extreme age, whose hair was as white as snow and face pellucid like glass. He prostrated himself thrice. Again, apparently you do this with Brendan. And broke his hip. <laughs> yes, and greets them and led them to a monastery. When St. Brendan stood at the entrance and asked his guide whose monastery this was and who was its superior, he put to him various questions. He asked a lot of questions, but could get no reply, only manual signs indicating silence with much gentleness. And as soon as the Holy Father recognized that silence was the rule of the place, he cautioned the brethren, Restrain your tongues from much talking, lest the monks here be scandalized by your foolish speeches. Okay, I have some questions. Yes. How long did it take him to figure out that the guy using exclusively sign language was asking for silence? Because it sounded like you said he asked him a lot of questions. Yes. And then did he say out loud to the others... Restrain yourself, lest the monks be scandalized by your foolish talking. And the, and they're all just standing there thinking like, we haven't said it. <laughs> Again, Brendan's an yes. I don't like him. Also, this is cool that we have monastic sign language making an appearance, because that was a real thing. Was it? I didn't realize that they had like signs. <gasps> Whoa! In some monastic traditions, it was forbidden to speak during meals mm-hmm. or other various, like, events. And so the monks developed a sign language that they would then use during meals. And I think it, the same sign language was spread throughout multiple monasteries. That is so cool. I had no idea. I knew that they wouldn't talk during meals on certain time periods. I had no idea that they had sign language. Yeah, because, I mean, you've still got to be able to say, like, Hey, pass me that beer. Right. Oh, that's cool. Anglo-Saxon monastic sign language. That is There it is. Dope. I want to figure out what it is. I want to know what it looks like. <gasps> I'm going to have to do more research into this. Anyway. Oh, that's really cool. 
Anyway, after this, there came forth to meet them eleven monks in their habits and crosses, chanting the versicle. Is it versicle? I feel like I'm saying that wrong. Yeah, versicle. I mean, it sounds like it means little verse, which I guess. Right. I just thought of like a fudgesicle as all. A fudgesicle? <laughs> came out chanting the fudge sickle. <laughs> I think I broke him. <laughs> I don't know. It looks like popsicle. Like popsicle, fudge sickle, versicle. <laughs> I have a degree in this. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh no. Anyway, they have they have that. Um and then Let's see. The abbots embraced Sir Brendan in due order, and then they do this thing that is called the kiss of peace, which I was not familiar with this term. And it is something that they do in the church, which is like full on a kiss on the mouth, Mm -hmm. which caught me off guard. I think in some places it it can be like a kiss on the forehead or like the, you know, kiss on the cheek or whatever. But historically speaking, the kiss of peace is on the mouth. So, fun fact there for you. I think we mentioned this last episode that I'm, I'm pretty sure that, like, the kiss of fealty that a knight and his va- a lord and his vassal do is also, like, a full on. Full on, on, the, mouth. on the mouth. Yeah, I didn't realize that, so that's very interesting. With tongue. No. I'm, sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably making that up. Just slip it in there. <laughs> Ooh. That's how you tell your lord you want to be his special vassal. Oh, you know, that would certainly do it. <laughs> Anyway, they do have their little signals, and they have dinner together. And the father abbot, in much cheerfulness, pressed his guests, Brothers, from the fountain, out of which today you wish to drink stealthily, make now a loving cup in gladness in the fear of the Lord. From the other fountain of foul water, which you saw, are the feet of the brethren washed, for it is always tepid. So, that's kind of nice. You have, like, a more unclean water, and then you have the fresh Mm -hmm. water for drinking. Yeah. And then, you know, take the bread, take all of the stuff, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. Cool details about this place. We have a double supply of everything. Da, 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 da. Are they just rich or did it used to be a double monastery with monks and nuns? Oh, no, I'm getting there. Okay. Thus it is, from the days of St. Patrick and St. Alva, our patriarchs, from 80 years until now, Christ provides us with sustenance. Moreover, neither old age nor bodily infirmities increase upon us here. Neither do we need cooked food, nor are we oppressed with heat or distressed with cold, but we live here, as it were, in the paradise of God. When the hours for the divine office and for mass arrive, the lamps in our church, which under God's guidance we brought from us from our own country, are set alight and burn always without growing less. Pretty dope little monastery. That does sound nice. Yeah. The interesting part here is that they do make a specific little note that as they leave, 12 other monks come in and Brendan's like, why didn't those guys eat with us? And it's because those other 12 had given Brendan and his friends their seats. Oh. Yeah. I was expecting it to be like, those are the 12 apostles and you're not holy enough to eat with them. (laughs) You know, I wouldn't be surprised, but I just think that it's interesting that they included that. So, yeah, anyway, they do Vespers. That's a good inclusion. Yeah, you know. Also, I'm imagining like, all right, so at a monastery where you live forever because you're just so damn holy. Like, now I'm imagining 
a, a, a situation where they miss one of the hourly prayers and just age 500 years oh. all in a go. Like the blessing has been removed from you. Oh. You forgot to do your matins. That would be rough. Ooh. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Yes, they do. Complain, blah, blah, blah. Then they go to their cells. So apparently they're like anchor right-ish because they have mm-hmm. cells. Well, I think most monks have cells. That's what you call like a monk's private room because it is basically just a closet with a cot in it. Yes, that's true. I did, in doing research for this, continually see that these monks were referred to as anchorites. Oh, well, okay then. maybe that's just because they have their little vow of silence. I don't know. Or maybe it's because they live on this island apart from all uh, of civilization and that's enough to qualify them as hermits even though there's a bunch of them. So then, after they do this, the saint asked the father about the rule of silence they observed, how such a mode of intercourse in a community was possible to flesh and blood. The abbot, with much reverence, said, shh. <laughs> the abbot, with much reverence and humility, replied, Holy Father, I declare before the Lord that during the eighty years that have passed since we came to this island, none of us have heard from the other the sound of the human voice, save only when we sing the praises of God. Amongst us twenty-four brothers, no voice is raised, but signs are made by fingers and eyes, and this is permitted only by the elder monks. None of us, since we came here, have suffered any infirmity of body or mind, such as may be fatal to mankind." And then, having broken his vow of silence, he ages 80 years all in one And immediately go. dies. And then yes. Brendan, Brendan sort of asks, like, hey, can we join you? This sounds like a pretty good gig. And the abbot says, you are not permitted, for such is not the will of God. But why do you ask me when God has revealed to you before you came to us what you must do? You must return to your own country, where God has prayed for you, as well as your 14 companions at the place of sepulchre. Big circle, seven years. Seven years. Already been written down for you. Of the other two monks, one will have his pilgrimage in the island of the Anchorites, but the other will suffer in hell the worst of all deaths. And these events afterward came to pass. Okay. (laughs) Noted. As they were conversing, behold, as they looked on, a fiery arrow, passing in through a window, set alight all the lamps that hung before the altars, and passing what? out through the same window, left the lamps burning. That's pretty cool. Like, I mean... Magic arrow flies in, lights all of the lanterns, and goes out the same window. <laughs> I mean, envisioning that, that's really cool, but when you said a fiery arrow flings in, I was like, oh no, they're under siege! <laughs> it's Lindisfarne! That would be a twist. It would be, wouldn't it? And then Brennan's like, who extinguishes the lamps in the morning? And the abbot's like- Ice arrow. Well, they just turn off and there's no ashes because the light is entirely spiritual. And then Brendan says, how can a spiritual flame thus burn in material substance? Which is a good question. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a decent question. And then the abbot says, have you not read of the burning bush near Mount Sinai, which remained unconsumed by the burning? Yes, said Brandon. I've read of this, but what analogy has it to this case? And that is the end of that conversation. Oh. <laughs> there is no explanation. Brendan's like, what does that have to do with this? <laughs> I assume some scribe at some point rubbed out the part where it explained that we actually got this idea from a Serbian fellow named Tesla. And <laughs> he made us these lights. <laughs> they get back into the ocean, do some more wandering around because... Big circle, small ocean. Mm -hmm. I guess big ocean, small circle. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say, I'm pretty sure the ocean is large. (laughs) Yes. Citation needed. (laughs) It just goes off the side. Come on, Mac. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. <laughs> now, we all know that the world is only flat for elves. It's round for everyone else. <laughs> yes, alas. One day they saw an island not far off, and quickly made sail towards it, for they were harassed with hunger and thirst, for their store of food and water having been exhausted three days before. When St. Brendan had blessed the landing place, they all landed and they found a spring of limpid water, with herbs and vegetables of diverse kinds all around it, and many sorts of fish in the stream that flowed out to it from the sea, that flowed from it to the sea. Okay, I was going to say, it's not a backward stream. Okay. Then St. Brendan said, Brothers, God has surely given us comfort after our wearisome labours. Take those fishes sufficient for your repast, dress them upon the fire, and gather also those herbs and roots which God has provided for his servants. When this was done, they poured out some of the water to drink, but the man of God cautioned them, Take heed, brethren, that you use this water in moderation. But the brethren paid not equal heed to this caution, for while some only drank one cup of the water, others drank two, and others again drank three, so that upon some of them there fell such a sudden stupor which lasted the space of three days and nights, and upon others it only fell for one day and a night. But St. Brennan prayed to God without ceasing, as they incurred this great danger through ignorance." Which, I think this would just be water. Like, you just get poisoning. You get food poisoning. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then Brendan's like, We must leave, lest greater evil befall you for not listening to me. And let's go. Take these veggies, and we'll put them in the boat, and we'll go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, was that in the text? Um, <laughs> with one cup of water for each man with a supply of vegetables. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that just took me aback for some reason. Take the veggies! <laughs> After three days and nights, the wind ceased, and the sea became like a thick, curdled mass. So great was the calm. Which is, like, a wild phrase to visualize. Yeah, yeah. It's like jello. Like a curdled mass. That's gross. The doldrums. That's very gross, yes. Uh, then the Holy Father said, Take in your oars and cast loose the sails, for the Lord will guide our boat wheresoever he willeth. In this manner the boat was kept in motion, for in the space of about twenty days, until at length God sent a favourable wind, when they put on the sail and worked their oars also in an easterly direction, taking refreshment every third day. See, I feel like I understand now why they're going in a circle, is because they're not actually doing any sailing. Yes. At all. They're just letting the wind blow them around. Basically, Yes. And then they go hungry for a couple days, and they're like, why are we going hungry? You know, maybe there's something wrong with my brain, but every time they're stuck in the doldrums, like, this has happened twice now, and both times, I fully expect you to say, and he threw the sinful monk overboard <laughs> to regain God's blessing on their ship. Well, he's dead. There's two, though. Okay, yeah, we do have the other one. But he's going to have, like, a really bad hellish episode or something. On a certain day, there came into view an island, like a cloud, in the distance, where St. Brendan asked the brethren whether, whether they recognized it. On their replying that they did not, the Holy Father said to them, Do you recognize it, Mac? An island like a cloud? Isn't yes. that one of the... Wait, hold on. That's why. That's in the Pharaohs, isn't it? Why would Brendan specifically be like, Do you recognize an island that looks like a cloud? Is it a she- is it sheep? It is sheep. They're back to the sheep the island. They're back to the sheep island. I was thinking of that, like, one island that has, like, its own personal cloud that's just always over it. Ooh, that's cool. But anyway, they pop back to the sheep island to celebrate the festival of the Lord's Supper again. There's more versicles, and they have a bath, and they celebrate Holy Saturday again. Another dark Saturday. (laughs) 
<laughs> dark Saturday? <laughs> I don't know. Dark Eastern, did we say? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. They have a... Okay, they go back to the Island of the Birds, and they sing more psalms, and... Oh, oh, okay. There's also a low Sunday. A what? A low Sunday. What is low Sunday? I don't know, but the sheep guy is bringing them provisions on low Sunday. How did I miss that? Usually I I can gloss these things, but I missed that one. According to Google, it's the Sunday after Easter. Ah, that would make sense. In Eastern Christianity, this name is known as, this day is known as Antipascha. That seems kind of dark. I know. Reverse Easter. So the bird comes back. So they celebrate Pentecost on the Sheep Island. They go to the Birds of Paradise Island. But the bird shows back up to Brendan and then spreads out its wings with a loud sound like a great organ and says... (laughs) That's dramatic. (laughs) It's very dramatic. The almighty and merciful God has wished to convey to him this message that you are appointed four certain places at four different seasons of the year until the seven years of your pilgrimage have been ended. On the Festival of the Lord's Supper, you will be each year with your procurator, which is the sheep guy. The Vigil and Festival of Easter, you will celebrate on the back of the Great Whale with us, and then... So that, you have to that go happens, back to the whale? That happens every year, apparently. Oh. And you'll spend Easter with us! <laughs> Until the octave of Pentecost, and then you'll go back to St. Alva, where you will remain from Christmas until the festival of the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary. After seven years, through many diverse perils, you will find the land of promise of the saints, which you are seeking. And you will How many there diverse for perils days. is he going to be able to go through if he has to keep coming back to these same islands? <laughs> I don't know. Again, like the circle continues. He's just going. I would, I would be really frustrated if I was one of his little friends. Yeah. I mean, unless the islands are moving. That would be wild. Yes. I mean, there's at least one island that's moving, and that's the whale. Yes, that's true. <laughs> okay, so <sighs> they go back into the ocean, and the boat was borne along for 40 more days. One day, a fish of enormous size appeared swimming after the boat, spouting foam from its nostrils and plowing through the waves in a rapid pursuit to devour them. Then going, the brethren, hey, you were supposed to spend the festival on my back. <laughs> then the brethren cried out to the Lord, O Lord, who has made us, deliver us thy servants. And they cried out to Brendan, O Father, help us. And he gives courage to the brethren with these words. Fear not, you of little faith, for God, who is always our protector, will deliver us from the jaws of this monster and from every other danger. When the monster was drawing near, waves of immense size rushed on before it, even up to the gunwale of the boat, which caused the brethren to fear more and more. But St. Brendan, with hands upraised to heaven, earnestly prayed, Deliver us, O Lord, thy servants, as thou didst deliver David from the hands of the giant Goliath and from Jonas, the power of the great whale. And when these prayers were uttered, a great monster came into view from the west, rushing against the other, spouting flame from its mouth, and at once attacked it. There's always a bigger fish. <laughs> there is indeed. And in this case, it sounds like a dragon. It does. Because it doesn't say that it came from the ocean. I pictured it flying because I pictured dragons and spitting flame and flying. But anyway. He and cast then... summon bigger fish. <laughs> it's very effective. 
And then Brendan, of course, because he always has to have the last word, said, Behold, my children, the wonderful work of our Savior. See here the obedience of the creature to its creator. Await now the end in safety, for this conflict will bring no evil to us, but only greater glory to God. Thereupon, the rueful monster that pursued the servants of God is slain and cut up into three parts, and its victor returned whence it came. The next day they saw at a distance an island, full of herbage and of wide extent. When they drew near it, when they were about to land, they found the hinder, the hinder proportion of the monster that was slain. All right. (laughs) Behold, said St. Brendan, what sought to devour you. We will now devour. They actually do. Ah. They're going to eat it, which I hope goes better than the stinky whale meat that Odin gave the... (laughs) <laughs> the Icelanders or the no, Greenlanders. Thor. Odin knows how to cook whale meat. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense that Thor wouldn't. I was actually imagining a different episode from the sagas where a bunch of Vikings fight over a whale. Ooh, oh, that's right, they do. Because it depends, like, what you can take on the shore has different rights. There's different legalities to that. When you own land, so there's a question as, like, do you also own the rights to whatever washes up? Or is it mm-hmm. is it a first come, first serve situation? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is important, because whales, if whales wash up, that's a lot of meat. That's a lot of meat. So, eventually, they eat and everything, and apparently they go away from the beach, and then when they come back to the beach, only the bones are left. Like, there's nothing else there. What ate the rest? I don't know. And then Brendan says, I will give you another sign. This night will a large part of a fish, breaking loose from a fisher's net, be cast ashore here, and tomorrow you will have your repast on it. And then they did. Uh-huh. Because the Lord provides is is the moral of this. Remember, remember, Imravs are very specific about moralizing. So this is this is one of those rely on the Lord for your daily bread or sea monster. I'm definitely finding Brendan very obnoxious because it seems like he's just going like, of course, I know what's going on. Look, behold, I have done this to teach you. And everyone else is like, we were supposed to be going on an adventure, bro. And he never explains anything to them beforehand. No. Like, he's always got to be that guy. Yeah. It seems like he's, his whole goal there is to be, like, just to set himself above everyone else. And it's like, dude, no. That's not like, the point quit of quitting. Like, we get you're a saint. Yeah, like, we get you're a saint, but stop being holier than thou. Yes, exactly. It's really not cool. <laughs> Even if you literally are holier than thou, that is against the spirit of this whole thing. Oh, it's just so... Ugh. Next, we get this weird little, like, we just get a weird interlude that I will include, but it's not super interesting, at least in my opinion. So they find another island, and then St. Brendan says to his, like, they're not even on the island yet, and Brendan's like, on that island, there are three classes of people, boys, young men, and elders, and one of our brothers will have his pilgrimage there. How do you know this, Brendan? Who's telling you these things, Brendan? Why are you going on this voyage if you already know it's out there, Brendan? We don't know. And the brethren asked him which one it was, and he was loath to tell them. And then eventually, they like keep pressing him because they're really annoyed with him, mm-hmm. as is totally reasonable. And he's like, this is the brother who was to remain on this island. That's who it is. It's it's the one who's going to oh, remain. Well, it's the one who's going to stay. <laughs> also, he's... he's- He's such a- Why are there no women on this island? Why are there no women in this story? <laughs> I don't know. Because then it would be pagan. Oh, well, of course. Women are inherently <laughs> pagan. We all know this. <laughs> We're all witches. I mean, I think I know people who would argue that, honestly, in like a positive way. 
I'm for it. Yeah. Anyway, the island was remarkably flat, almost level with the sea, without trees or anything that waved in the wind. But it was covered with white and purple flowers. It's a flower fish. Run! (laughs) And then, on top of the island, there are three troops of monks standing apart a stone's throw from each other, and keeping their distance with each other as they moved about in any direction. Okay, so is this like the monastic equivalent of that sitcom trope where you draw a line (laughs) down the middle of the bedroom and like you're not allowed to cross onto the other side? I guess, but they're all It definitely sounds like that's what's going on. They're all a choir, and the first one is of boys dressed in white, the second is of young men dressed in violet, and the third is of elder men in purple dalmatics. Dalmatics? Yes. Is that like a robotic Dalmatian? I think it's like it's like um like Damascus. Oh. Like the type of the type of it's the it's one of the fancy dresses. Okay. okay. It's one of the fancy little robes that they wear. And then they all have service together. And then as they'd finished the chanting, a cloud of marvelous brightness overshadowed the island so they could not see what was visible before, but they heard the voices without ceasing in the same chant until the morning watch when they sung the psalms. And I'm going to skip the psalms. I have I have beef with this translator. Please go. A cloud of brightness overshadowed the island. That seems logically inconsistent. <laughs> I would agree. I have no further comment. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to put that out there. Let's see. Oh, yes, okay. And then two members of the choir of the young men brought a basket full of purple grapes and they placed it in the boat of the man of God, saying, Partake of the fruit of the Isle of Strong Men. Why are they strong? We don't know. They're just, that's how they're referred to. And deliver to us our chosen brother and then depart in peace. And then Brendan called this brother and said, Give the kiss of peace to your brethren and then go with these who are inviting you. I say to you that in a happy hour did your mother conceive you, because you have deserved to abide with so holy a community. These guys want to make out with you, bro. You have to live with them now. Well, he's 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 kissing his former monk brothers. Oh, okay. He's leaving I it, them. I thought he was kissing the new ones. No, it's goodbye kisses. Oh, uh, okay. And then they set sail from the island, and then when mealtime had come, they get the grapes... And taking one of them upon seeing its great size and how full of juice it was, he said in wonder, Never have I seen or read of grapes so large. They were all of equal size like a large hall. And when the juice of one was pressed into a vessel, it yielded a pound's weight of juice. A pound of juice? A pound of juice. I don't know how they got them in the boat without realizing how large they were. Yeah, are they, like, like do they look like normal grapes and then you squeeze them and the juice just keeps coming? They said, like, they're supposed to be, like, massive, yeah, massive grapes. Quote, like a large hall. What is a hall? Like, a hall. Oh, like, H-A-L-L? Yes. <laughs> See, I was thinking that had to be, like, a type of plant that I wasn't no. aware of. How uh-uh. did they fit on the boat? I don't know! <laughs> I think he's just, like, dragging them behind him in mm-hmm. the ocean. Like, they're, like, really, really big buoys. This is like a James and the Giant Peach thing. Yeah. Like, massive. All right. All right. <laughs> it's allowed. He can do that. <laughs> like, the island itself is not very interesting, but the grapes are, so I included yes. it. When those days had passed, St. Brendan ordered a fast for three days, after which a resplendent bird flew towards the boat. <laughs> you can't have a fast just after you pick up a massive amount of fruit. <laughs> that fruit is going to rot. Who knows? I think. I think the point is that they went through the grapes, apparently. I don't know how. 
how fast they did it. It doesn't actually specify, but apparently like a month or two because they've, they've been doing this for a year. Oh, okay. Oh, are they going back to sheep? <laughs> the resplendent bird flies down and it has a branch with red grapes and then it drops it in the boat and that's what they eat. And the, these grapes are not as big. They're only as big as apples. So <laughs> more reasonably sized grapes. It's okay. Okay. And then... After three days more, they saw near at hand an island covered all over with trees, closely set and laden with such grapes as those in surprising abundance, so that all the branches were weighed down to the ground with fruit of the same quality and colour. Grapes don't grow on trees. trees. No, they absolutely do not. So... I think these might just be apples. The red, <laughs> the, the size of apples they grow on trees, I think these are apples. <laughs> I would... I hope so. Anyway... Oh, oh, this this is more helpful. They leave the boat and they walk around. There's a house and everything and it smells like pomegranates. So maybe these are just pomegranates. Ah, okay. I'll buy that. Oh, but the, the smell was so tempting that they did not heed their fast. And the venerable father found on the island six fountains watering the greenest herbage and vegetables of all diverse kinds. Then he said to the brethren, bringing them some samples... Leave the boat and fix up your tent, be of good cheer, and enjoy all the fruits of this land. And so... I mean, that sounds like permission to break your fast. It does, it does. So they do that, and then they leave again. And then, suddenly, they're on the boat again. There appeared towards them the flying bird called the Griffin. <gasps> griffins! We get griffins! When the brethren saw it, they cried out to the Holy Father, Help us, O Father, for this monster has come to devour us! But the man of God told them to fear not. Griffins only eat horses, I know this. For God was their helper. And then another great bird came into view, and in rapid flight, flew against the griffin. Summon bigger bird! <laughs> engaging it in combat that it seemed for some time a doubtful event but at length tearing out its eyes it vanquished and slew it and the carcass fell into the sea and in the sight of all the brethren who thereupon gave thanks and praises to god we don't know what kind of bird this other bird was yeah. but it defeated the griffin and then we go back to St. Alva or Alva or whatever we go back for the Christmas festival ah, okay. at the silent signage people and they only took rest at the Easter and Christmas Islands. Did they skip the whale and the sheep? Apparently. Okay. I feel like they were told explicitly that they had to go to all these islands every year. It's not included. So maybe they're doing, you know, their itinerary is changing. The Lord changed the plan a little bit. Mm. <laughs> yes, because from what I know of Christian lore... <laughs> If there's one thing we know about God is that he is mercurial and liable to change his mind about his edicts. Who knows? On a certain occasion, when St. Brendan was celebrating the festival of St. Peter in the boat, they found the sea so clear they could plainly see what was at the bottom. They therefore saw beneath them various monsters of the deep, and so clear was the water that it seemed they could touch with their hands the greatest depths, and the fishes were vis visible in great shoals like flocks of sheep in the pastures, swimming around head to tails. The brethren entreated the man of God to say mass in a low voice, lest the monsters of the deep, hearing the strange voice, may be stirred up to attack them. But the saint said, I wonder much at your folly. Why do you dread the monsters? Is it not the largest of them already devoured? I also wonder much at their folly. <laughs> at what? 
I following mean, Brenda? Are, are you going to? Well, yes, that. <laughs> but I was more thinking, like, I don't think that, like, the monsters of the deep are going to be scared away by your prayer, even if the sound does reach them through all the water. That's true. So he sings it at a louder voice. And when the fishes heard the man of God, they rose up from the depths and swam around the boat in such numbers that the brethren could see nothing but the swimming fishes, which, however, came not close to the boat, but swam at distance until mass had ended, and then they swam away. <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got nothing for that. It's just weird. It's just weird. On another day, they saw a column in the sea, which seemed not far off, yet they could not reach it for three days. That sounds like a volcano to me. Yep. When they drew near it, St. Brendan looked towards its summit, but could not see it because of its great height, which seemed to pierce the skies. It was covered over with a rare canopy of the material that they knew not, but it had the colour of silver and was hard as marble, while the column itself was of the clearest crystal. Interesting. St. Brendan ordered the brothers to take in their oars to lower the sails and mast, and directed some of them to hold on to the fringes of the canopy, which extended a mile from the column, and about the same depth into the sea. Who is building all this stuff? I don't know, I think it's supposed to be natural. Okay. And then they go through an opening of the canopy to go see the big crystal tower thing. Enter your work. The sea seemed so transparent that they could see everything beneath them, even to the base of the column, and to the canopy lying on the ground. And the sun shone as brightly within as without, and he measured the opening between four pavilions, which he found to be four cubits on every side. That's not as interesting. Blah, blah, blah. And so they sailed around the column for four days, which seems excessive, to measure it, and it is each side of it is 400 cubits. That doesn't sound like it should take four days. I would agree. Maybe they're doing, like, exploratory, you know, they're yeah. taking their notes. Um, but I mean, like, a cubit is like, yay, right? I don't know how big a cubit is, but it's not that big. Like, it's it's from the tip of the finger to the elbow, if I remember correctly. So 400 yeah, the of those... Yeah, the length of the forearm, about 18 inches. Yeah, so 400 times 18 inches is going to be, like, 600 feet. A column 600 feet on each side. You could walk around that, like, not even with difficulty. Like, you just... There's no reason yeah. to spend four days on that. Yeah, that's that's true. Like, it's a big column, but not, like, four days sailing around column. True. Maybe they're just trying to buy time before the yeah. Christmas service. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they just like it. Like, they just want to hang around there. Well, they're it's like, a oh, giant yeah, this crystal take column. This is going to take us so long to measure. Oh, no! <laughs> All of our rulers are broken. Crack, crack, crack. Anyway, on the south side, a chalice, the same material as the canopy... And a patella like that of the column. A patella? Appeared. Yes. A kneecap? <laughs> but, thank God, it says patella in the text. <laughs> maybe it's a typo. Maybe it's like a pla- Maybe they're trying to say platform. <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> I like the idea of a kneecap made of crystal, though. I'm trying to see if there's any other. Definition. You know what? I'm just going to skip all the Googling and pull up the OED. I've got it. Oh, perfect. Hold on. Ooh, we're getting the OED physically. How exciting. That's work. Patent. Okay, so a patella. Ah, in archaeology, it can be a small pan or shallow vessel, and it is a Latin term for like a... Like a little dish. A little dish. Which there I bet go. is where the, the term for the kneecap thing comes from, is because it's shaped like a dish. Like a little dish. Very nice. Yeah, so they get OED. they get a chalice and a, and a dish. <laughs> Yay for the OED. 
We're always yay for the OED. Alrighty. One of my most valued possessions is the print OED. It's amazing. For me, it's my Oxford Latin Dictionary. Also fair. That thing is massive. I mean, you saw me go and get it. It's a whole side of my bookshelf. It is. It's big. All right. Anyway, so they take this, and then apparently they they have their little moment with the column, and then they just they, they, they go on. They go north. Then they came within view of an island, which was very rugged and rocky, covered over with slag, without trees or herbage, but full of smiths' forges. Just covered in forges. It sounds like a terrible place to live. Indeed. And Brendan said, I am much distressed about this island. I have no I wish agree, to enter. <laughs> I have no wish to enter or approach it. I was not expecting to agree with Brendan on anything. I know. I'm on board. <laughs> I really don't want to go there, but the wind is driving us there. And then, as they approached, they heard the noise of bellows blowing like thunder and the beating of sledges on anvils and iron. And Brendan armed himself all over his body with the sign of the cross, which I just figure is like a very rapid. He's like, mm-hmm. make sure that we get the arm and the hand and each <laughs> finger. And we get it all. And then they approach and one of the inhabitants came forth to do some work. He was hairy all over and hideous, begrimed with fire and smoke. And when he saw the servants of Christ near the island, he withdrew into his forge, crying, Whoa! 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 Like, W-O-E, not like, Whoa, dude! (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) Check out these guys! Whoa! (laughs) And then Brendan's like, Let's just go! And then, apparently, this savage man rushed to the shore and bearing in his hand tongs with a burning mass of slag uh, and he he just throw it at him? Yes, he just flings it but it misses and fumes up in in the ocean (laughs) and then once they've gotten like a mile away from this island all the dwellers of the island crowd upon the shore and each of them with a thing of burning slag they fling it after them and then they return to the forges and they blew up mighty flames so that the whole island seemed one big globe of fire. Ew. I mean, it's dramatic, but I don't like it. It's not great. I wouldn't want to live there either. I also wouldn't want to have, like, a massive hurling metal flung at me. Yes, fact. So, creepy. Another day, there came into view a very large and high mountain in the ocean, not far off towards the north with misty clouds all about it, and a great smoke rising from its summit, when suddenly the wind drove the boat rapidly towards the island until it almost touched the shore. The cliffs were so high they could scarce see the top, which was black as coal and upright like a wall. Here, the monk who remained of the three, uh uh-oh, leaped from the boat, made his way to the foot of the cliff, wailing and crying aloud, Woe is me, father, for I am forcibly torn away from you and I cannot return. But by what? Is he just, is like some invisible hand just pulling him off the boat? Just the force of God, I guess. Yes, St. Brendan plainly saw how the wretched man was carried off by a multitude of demons. Um, you want to do something about that, St. Brendan? Yes, he replies, Woe is yours, unhappy man, who has made you so evil an end of your life. <laughs> yes, I know! So he didn't do anything wrong. He was just stolen by demons, and Brendan's like, that's rough, bro. Yes, that is correct. And then, as they sail away, they look back, and there's no more. There's no clouds at the top of the mountain anymore, but it's shooting great flames into the sky. <laughs> oh, so it is a volcano. Yes! So this guy just gets immolated on a volcano. 
Okay. <laughs> and Brendan's like, sorry, bruh. I think he should get his sainthood revoked for not doing anything about that. <laughs> like, he didn't even seem to try. He was just like, it's been foreordained. <laughs> he was like, uh, no, help. No, I can't do it. Anyway, then they sailed for seven days toward the south. And Brendan observed a very dense cloud approaching which there came into view what had the shape of a man sitting on a rock with a veil before him as large as a sack hanging between two iron prongs and he was tossed about like a small boat in a storm. So like, I'm assuming he's pretty like chained up on this rock. Yeah, okay. When the brethren saw this, they thought it was a bird and others thought it was a boat. It's Prometheus. <laughs> but the man of God told them to cease the discussion and to go directly there. And then as they approached... It's a plane. <laughs> it's, it's Judas Iscariot. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't far off. Yep. Uh, yes. So well, actually, I was pretty far off. There's, that's a very different story. But it is someone being chained, chained up for divine crimes. Yes. So he's sitting there and he's just being bashed by waves. And the saint asks him who he is, and he says, I am that most unhappy Judas, most wicked of all traffickers, not for any deserving of mine, but through unspeakable mercy of Christ, I am placed here. I expect no place for repentance, but through the forbearance and mercy of the Redeemer, and in honor of his resurrection, I have this cooling relief, as it is now the Lord's day. While I sit here, I seem to myself to be in a paradise of delights, considering the agony of the torments that are in store for me afterwards. For when I am in my torments, I burn like a mass of molten lead both day and night. In I the was heart. wondering how we got out of hell. Okay. Uh-huh. In the heart of the mountain you have seen. So apparently, like, the volcano was literally just the entrance to hell. Oh, well then, that explains some things, and yet not enough. <laughs> Very little, one might say. Yes. It explains why demons came out of it and grabbed someone. Yes. But it raises more questions like, why is there a volcano that is a literal entrance to hell? Why can we go there? That seems very dangerous. That seems very pagan. Indeed. Like, that's that's some, some Odyssey stuff there. Mm-hmm. And so, basically... He sits on this rock every Sunday from first Vespers to second. So like from sun up to sundown and also from Christmas to the Epiphany and from Easter to Pentecost and on the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary and also on the Festival of the Assumption. And in all other days, he's stuck with Herod and Pilate and with Annas and Caiaphas and mm. he's in hell. Uh, yes. That was a, a, a fairly long list of days, though, so it yeah, sounds he like gets, he's doing all right. He gets a pretty decent time off out of hell. Yes, yes, he does. And, ah, yes, when evening came, because apparently they're all just hanging out on Judas's little rock, a multitude of demons gathered around in a circle, shouting, Depart from us, O man of God, for we cannot come near our comrade unless you retire from him, and we dare not see the face of our prince until we bring him back, back to him, his pet victim. That's a brutal phrase. Yep, that's rough. I assume <laughs> Judas is the pet victim. Uh-huh. Give us therefore our prey and keep us not from him this night. And then the saint said, I protect him not. He's so saintly. He's so saintly. Yeah. But the Lord Jesus Christ has permitted him to remain here this night. And the demons cry out, How could you invoke the name of the Lord on behalf of the man who betrayed him? And then the man of God said, he will do him no hurt until morning. And then, ta-da! Yeah. I like that uh, he's just taking Judas's word on this. Judas, famously trustworthy. Indeed. 
Like Judas is like, oh yes, I'm out of hell. You would have expected me to be in hell, but I'm out. Don't worry. Jesus said it's okay. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. You seem trustworthy. I mean, to be fair. You're known to be an honest man. Like, out of all the stuff that Brendan does, I'm kind of not surprised that he does this. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't hold He's it against him. He's not great anyway. My personal Christian headcanon, as a <laughs> non-Christian, is leaning much more towards the Jesus Christ superstar version, where Judas did it because he was told to by Jesus. So, like, I'm kind of cool with Judas giving a pass. If I recall correctly, he was, like, the devil did enter him when Christ said, go and do what you must do. Like, before that, Judas wasn't particularly, like, he wasn't great, but also he he wasn't, you know, gonna betray God mm-hmm. until the devil entered him, so. Well, like I said, I'm not religious myself, so I don't remember the, the canon, but I know Jesus Christ superstar. <laughs> also very good. All right, let's see. Saint Brendan afterwards made sail for some time towards the south, giving glory to God in all things. Another island appears, and then... As they drew near to the shore, they could find no place to land, so steep was the coast, and the island was small and circular, about a furlong in circumference, and on its summit there was no soil, the rock being quite bare. If this is another whale... No, this is a turtle. (laughs) All the way down. Yes. They did find a small creek, which scarcely admitted the prow of their boat, and from which the ascent was very difficult. St. Brendan told the brethren to wait there until he returned for them. And when he ascended to the higher part of the island, he saw on the eastern side two caves opening opposite each other and a small cup-like spring of water gurgling up from the rock. And this the is mouth- sounding more and more like a turtle. Like, those are nostrils. I was gonna say, like, it's very much like a, a good yeah. little nose. He approaches, oh yes, and there's a hermit sitting in one of the caves. And he greets him. I am the hermit of the nostril. <laughs> and he directed St. Brendan to summon all the brethren together and they give each other the kiss of peace. Weren't we talking, like... A few episodes ago about how it seems likely to us that a bunch of queer people in the Middle Ages would have wanted to join monasteries and nunneries. Mm-hmm. I feel like this whole kiss of peace thing is really just reinforcing that idea. I would agree. I mean, it was called like the brother's kiss or the sister's kiss in monasteries and nunneries. Oh, they did it in nunneries too? They did. Yes. All right. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm fully on board with the theory that... Monk, oh, that, that monks and nuns in the Middle Ages were like often LGBTQ of some kind because like that's where you would you could acceptably be around and kiss like people of the same sex mm-hmm. and you wouldn't get harassed by the other sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they chill out with this guy, and the text makes a particular note that. They wondered at his dress, for he was covered all over from head to foot with the hair of his body, which was white as snow from old age and no other garment. I think we've seen that before, and I don't know if, the, if on this podcast, but like desert holy men are sometimes clothed only in their own hair. In their own, yeah. He was once living in the monastery of St. Patrick, and then he's got a little story that's not really that interesting, but he ends up on this island and just decided to stay here. Da, 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 da. Ah, yes. On the day of my arrival, about the hour of nones, so 3pm, a certain animal walking on its hind legs brought me in its forepaws a fish for my dinner and a bundle of dry brushwood to make a fire, and having set these before me, it went away as it came. I struck Which fire- Which animal? It doesn't What is a certain say? animal? It doesn't say. And then, Fine. but it keeps coming back. Oh yes, this is my friend, an animal. <laughs> a certain animal. Every three days it brings him food, but he's not going to say what kind of animal it is. 
Maybe he doesn't and know, he's lived there which for is 60 also years. concerning. True. And this is my friend, the horrible abomination that I can only refer to as <laughs> some sort of animal. Just, you know, some He brings sort. me food on a schedule. <laughs> Go figure. But apparently this hermit knows about their whole deal with, like, going to the bird island and going to the sheep island. And so he's reminding them that they have to do that. And yeah, he so, got the newsletter. Yeah. <laughs> his little animal friend brought it to him. Yes, exactly. Daily newspaper. Well, he's the, the animal friend is part squid, so he always has ink on hand. Aww. <laughs> so cute. Anyway, St. Brendan and his brethren, having received the blessing of the man of God and having given mutually the kiss of peace in Christ, again, sailed away towards the south during Lent. Da, 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 da. On Holy Saturday, they reach the island of the sheep guy and they go and they do Holy Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then they entered the boat with the sheep man and then oh. they go to the whale and they do the whale thing, and then... Wait, do they do the thing where, like, they get out and they cook on the whale, and the whale almost dives, and they go run back to the boat? Do they do that every time? They don't cook. It just says that they proceed to sing praises all night on the back of the whale. Okay. So, we're not we're not hurting Yasconius. That's good. Yeah, but Yasconius, like, does move a little bit further in the night, and all the brethren are like, ah! And then... <laughs> <laughs> if only we hadn't been cursed by God to visit this whale every year. <laughs> but hang on, because the whale swims towards the paradise of birds, so it's like oh. a little taxi now. That's um, nice. And then they do that, and they get the water, and they sing to St. Brendan, May a happy voyage under his guidance bring you safely to the land of your procurator. Isn't that the island they just left? Yes. But now the procurator is with them, so... I guess they gotta bring him home. But anyway, towards evening, a dense cloud overshadowed them, so dark that they could scarce see one another. And the procurator said to Brendan, Do you know, father, what darkness this is? And the saint replied that he knew not. It's the first thing Brendan doesn't know in this whole Mm -hmm. damn thing. The procurator, however, says... This darkness surrounds the island you've sought for seven years, and you will soon see the entrance to it. And after an hour had gone by, a great light shone all around them, and the boat stood by the shore. That just sounds like they went through the Tunnel of Light. Yeah. Also, I'm thinking of the Dawn Treader again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I assume that you're going to tell us about this research at some point. Yes, I will. Once we get to the end of it, we're on page We're on page 16. We are, t- okay. we are at the end. So they, they end up here on the, on the island, and when they had disembarked, they saw a land extensive and thickly set with trees laden with fruits, as in the autumn season. And all the time while they were traversing the land during their stay in it, no night was there, but light always shone, like the light of the sun in the meridian. And for the forty days they viewed the land in various directions, they could not find the limits thereof. One day, however, they came to a large river flowing towards the middle of the land, which they could not cross over. Brendan then said to the brethren, We cannot cross over this river, and we must therefore remain ignorant of the size of this country. While they were considering this matter, a young man of resplendent features, of very handsome aspect, came to them, and joyfully embracing each one of them, and calling them by their own name, said, Peace be with you, brothers, and all of those who practice the peace of Christ. Blessed are they who dwell in thy house, O Lord, they shall praise thee forever and ever. He then said to Brendan, This is the land you have sought after for so long, but you could not find it before this, because Christ our Lord first wished to display to you his diverse mysteries in this immense ocean. I feel like there there, there were fewer mysteries than suggested by 
that sentence. <laughs> I would agree. After there was seven room for years. a lot more mysteries. Seven years. Return now to the land of your birth, bearing with you as much of these fruits and precious stones as your boat can carry, for the days of your earthly pilgrimage must draw to a close, when you may rest in peace among your saintly brethren. After many years the sand will be made manifest to those who come after you, when days of tribulation may come among the people of Christ. The great river you see here divides this land into two parts, just as it appears now, teeming with ripe fruits. So ever does it remain without any blight or shadow whatever, for unfailing light shines thereon. Brendan asks whether this land will be revealed unto men, and resplendent hot boy says when the mo- <laughs> Right, yes, resplendent hot boy. Why not? <laughs> Fine. When it says, when the Most High Creator will have brought all nations under subjection, then his land will be made known to all his elect. And then Brendan prepares to go back. He says farewell, drops off the procurator. And then as they had passed all through this, they reached the Island of Delights, where they remained for three days as guests in the monastery. And then Brendan, with the abbot's parting blessing... Oh, the Island of Delights is the signing place. Oh, okay. Yes, so we're, we're back there. And so Brendan eventually gets back to his own monastery where all the monks gave glory to God for the safe return of their holy patron and learned from him the wonderful works of God which he had seen and heard during his voyage. The end. All right. And that is the voyage of St. Brendan. Thank you for listening to The Miniculum. Please consider leaving a rating and review in Apple Podcast to help support the project. For more geeky additions or to see our sources and notes, check out our blog, Marginalia, at themaniculumpodcast.com. You can also join our Facebook group, The Maniculum Podcast, to join in on discussions about all things medieval. And feel free to reach out. We're on Twitter, at Maniculum, and on Instagram, at Maniculum Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And special thanks to Sandra Boyle, who created the music for our show. You can check out her project, Sugar Glass, on Spotify. Okay. Alright, so... Third tries the charm. Yes. <laughs> now that we've got uh, our, our audio issues, issues sorted. Technological Tuesdays. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't do this. I can't. All right.